0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Morning. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Good deal. Is that better? Okay. So I don't know if, you're here, if you were here. You were here last week, but Luke showed a picture of when we were little, and how he tore it up because he was mad. We haven't talked all week, so. a cross is heavy. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the Lord just puts those people in your life to stretch you, you know, teach you how to pray, you know, love your enemies. All right? <laughs> We've been talking about the Song of Solomon, and um, <laughs> so, uh, like, are you fighting more at your homes uh, now that we're talking about the Song of Solomon? Um, or is it just my house? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Song of Solomon, we fight more. talk about marriage, you fight more. You talk about parenting, your kids act worse. Um, you focus on keeping your eyes pure, more temptations show up. Uh, it's kind of the nature of, uh, of what happens in the Christian walk. So, no, Katie and I are, Katie and I are good. Um, in chapter one of Song of Solomon, Solomon meets a girl in a vineyard and he introduces himself, but not in the sense of, like, I am Solomon King. They have an exchange, and Solomon begins to court this woman. And he treats her great, and he speaks kindly to her, but she has got some baggage somewhere. And she doesn't see herself in the same light as Solomon sees her. And so what we talked about was that inside of our relationships, our words carry the power to change the perspective of the person that we are with you can say enough nice things and enough kind things to someone that they can begin to see themselves differently. And so we talked about in chapter one how all of a sudden, like, she is, don't look at me, I am darkened by the sun, I haven't taken care of my own vineyard, and all this. And then by the end of chapter one, and we get into chapter two, she's talking about, I'm the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. We talked about how Solomon's words became her mirror. That's how she sees herself, is based on what he says. She trusts in what he says, and she adapts and follows suit and does what she needs to do and believes him and trusts that what he is saying is true. She learns that she is a beautiful woman, both inside and out get into chapter two and they begin to have this conversation and it's it's the springtime of the relationship it is all about flowers growing doves are cooing the the there's there's new grapes there's new figs the blossoms are all out love is springtime love is dancing it's it's a central park walking across the bridges holding hands oh it's so lovely and wonderful and then they kind of have an altercation which is that what that's what happens and they bicker and they fight for a minute. And Solomon comes to the rescue. And what we talked about was that men are the, are the initiators of reconciliation. Men are the ones who initiate reconciliation. We talked in the first chapter that there are these punks with pickup lines and that's not what we are. We say something and then we do it. We, we get into this part and we're talking about something completely different. We are, we are not just that person that child, children play silent treatment. You with me? Ladies, you can do whatever you want. All right, that's not from the Lord. That's just, I'm just, in your home, whatever. Whatever. You do whatever you want. But like dudes, we are the initiators of reconciliation. If we are the silent treatment guy, you're a child. Remember this? We talked about you're a child. That's not what men do. Men initiate reconciliation. We're the fixers. If it was the oven, would you wait on her to fix it? If it was the car, would you wait on her to fix it? If it's the relationship, do you wait on her to fix it? No. We are the fix-it guy. That's what we do. If you can't figure it out, find somebody who can help you figure it out. I take my car to the mechanic. You know why? Because none of my tools are good enough, nor my skills. That's why. I will find somebody to fix my stuff. Same with my marriage. Same with ours. I mean, all of us. This is what we do. So then we get into chapter four, and it is the wedding. Uh, And it's just this beautiful... Into chapter three is the wedding. And then chapter four, this is what Luke is all bitter and angry and bent of shape about, is... He had to preach the honeymoon so and it's pretty i'll be honest that's like that's the dirtiest deed i've ever done to him um that he knows about um that's a pretty dirty deed because and it wasn't on purpose it just kind of happened that way but you know the lord works in uh, mysterious ways so um and luke knocked it out of the park i thought he did such a good job he was so tasteful Um, He handled all the stuff that I thought he would like turn beet red and be like, oh, you know, but he didn't. He like just, he did a great job, did a great job. And so he covered that. And what he began to talk about was the vocabulary changed in chapter 5. So we went through chapter 4, and it's your lips, your honeycomb, your garden, your this, your this, your this. And so now this is where we land in chapter 5. Chapter 5, if you remember correctly, Luke said... We get all the way up to this moment to where he is undressing his bride. And God pulls the curtain and does not show anything else. He pulls the curtain, and that's it. It's private. Here's what happens next. Chapter 5, verse 1. By the way, I do want to remind you, if these conversations about marriage and the act of marriage, intimacy, marital intimacy is going to kick off some conversations at your house with your little ones that you're not ready for, Might want to get them to the children's church or, uh, you know, earmuffs, whatever. (laughs) You've been warned. Chapter 5, verse 1. Solomon is speaking. I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh, my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. I'm the man. That's Solomon. I'm the man. Like it, transfer of deed has been put in my name. This is now mine. Now, in our culture and with our baggage and our history, that kind of conversation, this kind of rough, um, when we begin to talk about possession of another person, it can get Our baggage will filter that to see something negative. Nobody owns me. Hold on. Like, don't let those things creep into something that's beautiful that God made. Don't let that that creep in here. Possession of another person is not a negative thing altogether. There's something beautiful about that. When a husband and a wife love each other and they care for each other and they serve one another, and then she says, I am his and he is mine. There's nothing negative about that. Nothing negative about that. And Solomon says, This is it. The fulfillment of all marriage happened right here with Solomon and his bride. His response to that was this I came, I conquered, I win, I'm the man. Ladies, I need to tell you, I need to tell you some stuff, okay? You need to, and you need to kind of, the physical act of marriage, you know what I'm saying when I say that? I'm just trying to be discreet. The physical act of marriage between a husband and a wife, it is not for a guy, is not solely physical. Stop rolling your eyes. It's not solely physical, okay? It's not, it's not, it is, but it's not solely physical, You were talking about something that a man gets to go out into the world and get his teeth kicked in every single day. In a world to where there are people out there looking for a way to cut him down to size 24-7. In the office, on the job site, I'm with his buddies, with his enemies. It doesn't make any difference. And you were talking about a man, a, a species that when it comes to the bedroom, this becomes the very act to where I can take all of my emotion. I can take all of my communication. I can take all of the feelings I've had throughout the day. I can take all of my stress, all of my worries, and I can put them all in one place, a safe place. It's a shoulder to lay a head on. It's a hammock on a beach. It's a coconut drink with an umbrella sticking in the top. It's a place to get away where responsibility and everything goes away for a minute. In a world to where men are out there trying their very best to not let their guard down, they want to come home and they want to be vulnerable at that point. Now, I also understand I can't even get through that paragraph without there being women on the other side who say, yeah, well, okay." That's our baggage. That's our baggage speaking, Okay, We're talking in generalities. That's some baggage that's speaking. So hit the brakes on it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a minute. But ladies, you do have to understand. This is not solely physical. We're not talking just carnal, biological. Um, this is just what I need. So provide it, produce it. We're not talking about that. Now, I mean, at the same time, if that's the way it comes out in our communication and on our approach, okay? If that's our approach and it sounds like that. They can only believe what they hear. So listen, I'm I'm giving you the answers to this test, okay? This is an emotional thing. This is a spiritual thing. This is a mental thing. That's our approach. Anytime our approach becomes just, just physical, listen, we have reduced our wife to a vending machine. And she's better than that. She's better than that. So... Let's get to this. Chapter 5, verse 1. Four eyes. There are four eyes right there. I have come into my garden. I have gathered my myrrh. I have eaten the honeycomb. I have drunk the wine. Then there are nine mys. My, 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 my. It's perfect, isn't it? The language is perfect. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Mine, my, mine, 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 mine. All mine. I need to tell you about a conversation. I didn't, I didn't check with this guy to ask him if I could share this, so I won't share his name. Um, but I but I need to but I need to get this information out there. Uh, hopefully, he'll forgive me for sharing this. Talking to a friend of mine, talking about marriage, talking about the difficulties of, of you know the bedroom and how how those kind of just the miscues can happen. There's also this self-conscious thing that can happen, and my friend says. When a woman, he said, when my wife says, I don't like the way I look undressed. He said, I don't understand. He said, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how she can say that. He said, because when I look at her, and this was his example, and it's beautiful. It's like loving children. You have no other option. You are in free fall. And this husband says about his wife, I look at her and I cannot see even what she's talking about. Listen. Men, that needs to be our prayer. That we can focus so much on the positive aspects of who our spouse is that we cannot see anything else at all. That conversation sunk into my heart, and I had to think that thing through over and over. I will see her only in positive light. That's the way I'm going to see her, and I'm going to reflect that in the way I live. And that was that was a great challenge. So let me let me take a step further. I'm bra- I'm just bragging at this point. Um, when you go to a church to where the people and the men in your congregation are saying stuff like that, dude, you are winning. You hear me? We are winning. Like, I'm winning because I get challenged on a deal like that's so that's the best. You don't have to, uh, you know, engage in my party, but I'm so cool. So cool. So thank you for that that story. He is fully satisfied. He is absolutely satisfied with who she is. He sees her only as wonderful, only as beautiful. Chapter 5 verse 2. The woman speaks. Now, <laughs> let's have just just a little break. Just a little break. If God would talk about courting and dating and all the erogenous material here, and then he would talk about the honeymoon, do you think he would leave out marital strife? (laughs) No. Do you think God would set you up? Well, listen, it's going to be peaches and cream the rest of your... Do you think that's who God is? Listen, you're about to see something unfold. Every single one of you married people have been like, Holy crap, that's my house. Like I promise you, like you have seen this party, you've seen this party go down. She's speaking, you with me? I slept, but my heart was awake. She says, I was nodding off, You with me? I'm back and forth, I'm nodding off. Listen, she says, look, or she says, listen, my lover is knocking. Now notice the, the quotation marks, and he speaks. Open to me, my sister, my uh, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. Uh, have you do you remember language like this earlier in the book? Yeah, yeah. You know what it was? The honeymoon. You know what happened on the honeymoon? Of course you do. Here he comes with the same old combination. Dude, change your game. All right. You with me? Dude, don't come with that same rusty old move. All right. That's a that's a weak that's weak sauce. You hear me? Don't break out that old school line. You know what? That's weak sauce. Get creative. Don't be a punk, all right? Here he is. You see him do it. My sister, my darling, 29 right, 42 left. Then I'd open the padlock, right? No, it ain't opening the padlock. She's not a locker, right? She's get a new move. Hear me? Get creative, get a new move. That's rusty, rusty old school move. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. Listen to what he says. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night, in quotes. What he says is, I've been busting my tail. I just want to relax. I just want to be with you. All day long, nobody followed the orders I gave. I'm out here trying to do some kingly type of duties. No one's trying to hear me talk about it. I'm getting my chops busted at every turn. You know what I want? I just want to escape. Baby doll, open up the door. You're gonna love this, (laughs) so good. She speaks again. I've taken off my robe, must I put it back on again? I've washed my feet, must I soil them again? Want the Hebrew? I got a headache. That's the Hebrew. I got a headache. You can't make this stuff up, you know what I mean? like the Lord is just like what, are you, what is wrong with you people like I, I talked about this like here's the scenario have you ever been there just blink if you have <laughs> oh all of you oh, excellent. I mean this is crazy isn't it listen I would have went to church a lot more if somebody had been talking about this you know what I mean like, for real like the, the Lord wants to talk about this the Lord wants to talk about this that's excellent he's interested and she's not He's trying to connect, she don't want to. Question of the ages. Who's wrong, who's right? (laughs) Awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Awesome, who's wrong, who's right? Here's the beauty of it, here's the beauty of it. There's so many things that could just, this could go either way. But guys, three ways. Let me (laughs) make sure I got these. Three, Three ways to just prove you're an absolute mule. And by mule, I don't mean mule to prove you're an absolute um, mule. (laughs) This is three ways to sin against your wife, three ways to sin against God in the bedroom in this situation. Ready? Here they are. Number one, reminder that if it wasn't for you, she'd still be picking grapes. Remember the story, right? He's the king. She's picking grapes. Solomon shows up. Listen, men... Like, ladies, don't listen. you need to see, like, a terrible side of us. Like, he's the guy, right? He's the man. He's the king. Like, he pulled her up out of the ghetto, brought her to the palace. Pretty woman, right? Richard Gere, Julia Wright. You with me? If anybody's got rights at this point, it's him. All he has to do is remind her, by the way, don't forget, if it wasn't for me, you'd still be plucking grapes. Mm. We'd never say it, right? We'd never say it. But it's there. It's in the story. He's, he could. Reminder how much you work. Reminder of how you are the one that's paying the bills. Reminder of just how absolutely there's so many, you know what, you know what, I do a lot of stuff for you. You know what? Yeah. You with me? It'd be really, 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 really easy to start reminding her about who used to be picking grapes. One way to sin against your spouse, right there. Second way to sin against your spouse. Explain to her that the castle is full of other women. Solomon had somewhere around 300 wives, 700 concubines. There's 1,000 women in the the palace. All Solomon has to do is go, (laughs) look, really? Look, I can go three doors down. Go ahead and remind your wife that there's more fish in the sea. Yeah, try, try that one out if you want to sin against your wife and God and get a black eye, you know. But try that out. Get a reminder that, you know, there's women out there that would really like a guy like me. Just, just pull that one out. Just pull it out. Use that one if you really want to offend God and your spouse. Third one. Make her question your love by giving her the silent treatment. Make her question how much you love her and your commitment to the marriage by giving her the silent treatment. Because that, that works... Every single time, right? I can't tell you the number of times, you know, that situation unfolded at my house. I gave her the silent treatment. She woke up the next morning and she was like, you know what? That was terrible of me. And I was like, you know what? Talk to the hand. And then she was just like, no, really, I'm so sorry. No, that's not how that goes. It's never how that goes. Have you ever seen somebody get mad about the fact that you're mad? Like you're mad and then they're just like mad because you're mad? Like that's what happens. Silent treatment is the setup for mad because you're mad. That's what happens next. You know what? I'm done. I'm not talking to you. I'm mad. You know what? Now I'm mad at your madness. (laughs) How did I just lose in this game? I just lost. Now I have to go make crap. (laughs) Consequently, she's teaching Sunday school (laughs) downstairs this morning. So yeah, make her question your love for her by giving her the silent treatment, by treating her less than she deserves at that point. Does Solomon do any of those things? No. No, he doesn't. He could and would have more right than any of us to just go off the hinges and say whatever he wants. He doesn't. He doesn't. Listen to what he does. She says, I've taken off my robe, must I put it on again? I washed my feet, must I soil them again? She says, my lover thrust his hand through the latch opening of the door. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover and my hands dripped with myrrh. That's a love note on the door. Fastened to the lock that keeps him out. A love note on the lock. You know what that says? says, Ladies, you already know. Like, you already know. Dudes, here's what it says. Don't even question if I'm mad. I'm good. We're good. I can't wait to see you in the morning when you wake up. That's what it means. Love note on the lock. The thing that's barring him from the thing he wants the most. He fastens a love note on the lock and says... Don't sweat it, sister. Don't even sweat it. I'm your man, whether you're there, whether you're not there, it's good. Everybody can have a bad day. It ain't no problem for me. Solomon's a hero, he's a hero. She said, I opened for my lover, but my lover had left, he was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen on the wall, they found me. As they made their rounds in the city, they beat me, they bruised me. They took my cloak away, these watchmen on the walls. O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? She says, tell him, I am sick with love. Her own regret, the Holy Spirit already pricked her heart. She had already came to the conclusion that she was selfish, that she had resisted in a situation that she could have done better and she didn't, and Solomon's kindness brought her to repentance. That comes straight out of the New Testament, for God's kindness is what brought us to repentance. You're not here in church today because you heard God would kill you and send you to hell. That's not why you're here. You're here because somebody told you at one point he might love you even if you're a sinner and you were interested. That he can forgive your deepest, darkest sin. That's why you're here. If you're here because you're scared of hell, that's dumb. Go freaking party it up. Do your thing. That's not why we come here. We come here because we heard that maybe there's one soul in the whole entire universe that will love me in my twisted ways that I'm twisted. That's why we're here. And Solomon extends that same grace and mercy to her. And when he does, repentance comes from her. And she says, I was wrong. I was selfish. I was comfortable. The bed was warm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's beat to pieces on the inside that things did not go the way that they should have gone. My bad. Solomon, I'm sorry. Also notice this. When things in the marriage got rough, who did she go talk to? The daughters of Jerusalem. You with me? She went and talked to the daughters of Jerusalem. I don't know that I need to take this to the next level, but I, but I will anyway. Ladies, if in your marriage, things aren't going swimmingly, the worst thing in the world and the serious crossing of the line is to find somebody the opposite sex of you, and confide in them. If you ain't got any girlfriends, there's something wrong. You with me? Something wrong with you. You need to connect and get some girlfriends. If you have to find somebody of the opposite sex to confide in, to get your comfort, to go and have that kind of conversation with, oh, because he makes me feel more, he's like my best friend. He doesn't mean anything. Listen, every guy in this room right now is like, "Uh uh-uh, that is not a healthy... Uh uh. Guys, let me just ask, all right? Just ask so the ladies can understand. Ladies, you can say this, heard this comment so many times, ridiculous. Dudes, if anybody, if any girl ever says, oh no, it's not like that, he's just my best friend, how many of you actually, actually believe that? There's no feelings. That dude's motives are 100% pure. Go ahead and raise your hand. Ladies, take note. No one's raising their hand. Do you know why? Because we know. Like, we know. You can say all day, no, we, we're just friends. No, you're just not. Or he is just not. Guys, same thing with you. You snuggle up beside some lady at the office and you start giving her the, oh, just this, oh, how bad your life is and how terrible your marriage is and how you're such a great man, but your wife just doesn't see it like that, just so that you can get the accolades from another lady. Dude, weak sauce. Ladies, let me ask you, that girl's motive's pure, yes or no? Dude, did you hear that? Ain't real. No, we're just friends. <laughs> we just ain't. We just ain't. This is something altogether It's dangerous. We're walking on the line. We stay out of that situation. She went to the daughters of Jerusalem. Later on, what we find out with him is he was out with the chariots among the noble people. He's in his chariot, roaming around with the noble people. You know who the noble people are? The the king's men. Where'd he go? I got to get with some dudes that are better than me. Where'd she go? I got to get with some girls who value my marriage. Got to tell you one more thing, then we'll we'll get back here. No relationship in the entire world is worth, is is, is more important than a marriage. Well, I just want to stand by her side. Listen, stand by the side of her marriage. You stand by her marriage. don't, you, don't that's, Loyalty is not saying, well, I'm going to keep the secret for her. That's not loyalty. Loyalty is saying, your marriage is important. You're in it. I'm, di- I'm, I'm diming you out in the story. You've got you to gotta fix your stuff. Does not work. Does not work. Marriage is an important deal. It's an important deal. All right, here we go oh daughters of Jerusalem I charge you if you see my lover tell him I am faint with love there was a point before where she said she was sick with love and that was right before the wedding she said to the daughters of Jerusalem do not arouse or awaken love and tell it so desires I am sick with love talking about remember raisin cakes and all this business this was like she said I'm back at that place now I'm there now uh husbands and wives the miscue I'm there she's not there she's there I'm here like, oh, hey, now now she's happy and she wants to connect and he's all mad and bitter. You know what I mean? Like the miscues that happen in, what can't we get on the same page? This is normal. Like God was talking about this a long time ago. Like this is 100% normal. One time Katie and I got in an argument. We were walking in somewhere and I don't know, it, it, I think a lot of couples do this and there's always one who does one way and one who does the other way. But we're walking in somewhere and... Uh, we were arguing about something, and so I'm trying to map out the rel- I'm trying to map out the argument right there. Let's fix this, resolve this before we walk in the door. Because I don't like going in places with a fake smile on my face, with my arm around her, like, "Hey, we weren't fighting in the parking lot." You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but like, she, she can, like, she can be like, "It's fine." <laughs> Hello. Like, and hey, be good. I'm not. I like walking the door, like this one, this one here. <laughs> you know, like, because I, I can't. Like, it's on my face. You can see it. I get twisted up with it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So we're getting ready to like, try to resolve this situation and we can't do it. And so I, in all, all my wisdom, all my wisdom say, the sign of a good marriage is a couple that can just get right to the bottom of a situation and map it out and handle it right on the spot. And I thought that was pretty smart, really. Like I thought that was really, really wise. And she turns and she looked at me and she goes, no, the sign of a good marriage is when two people can be okay with things being undone for a moment so they can cool down. (sighs) Two points for you. (laughs) You you win that one, but, you know. Like, that's just, that's brilliant. Like, listen, things can be undone for a minute. Things can be undone. Listen, if if it continues, If it stays undone and you can't get to the bottom of it, bring somebody else in. Call somebody who cares about marriage. Call somebody who you know is going to square you off and square him off. Not somebody who's going to side with you or side with him. Call in somebody to say, hey, listen, we need to sit down and talk. We're in the middle of this debacle and we can't iron it out. We just need a little help. These ladies, these friends of hers, this is what they say, how is your beloved better than others, most beautiful woman? Check out that question. You go crying to your girlfriends about how your husband's a sack of crap. You know what? These are the kind of girlfriends that I want my wife to have. Tell me about the good things. What's he do good? That's fine, you complain about him all day long. That's fine. Okay, so we don't take out the trash. Okay, so we don't do the dishes. He doesn't help with you know, bad time with the kids and you know, he doesn't take a shower very often. He likes that recliner and whatever. Like whatever. But girlfriends who are worth their weight in gold are the ones who say, tell me the good. What's he do that's good? If you're gonna be a girlfriend to somebody else, if you're gonna be that friend in their life, dudes or otherwise, if you're gonna be that friend and look at your look at your homeboy and say, Hey, okay, I get it. She's made you mad, you're angry about it. What's the good in her? What's the good in her? That's what that's what these ladies do, that's what these friends do. That's pretty incredible listen to what she says i won't read through all of it she says my lover is radiant and ruddy outstanding among ten thousand. his head is pure gold his hair is wavy and black as ravens his eyes are like doves uh, by the water stream washed in milk mounted like jewels his cheeks are like beds of spices yielding perfume his lips like lilies dripping with myrrh his arms are rods of gold and set in chrysolite his body is like polished ivory use that one at home that's a good one his legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. Knocks it out of the park. Ladies, I'm going to give you a little bit of behind the curtain information on dudes. You ready? I'm not supposed to share this information. They're going to be mad at me and try to shank me after church. But I'm going to tell you this information anyway because you need to know. If the answer is no he comes in on his approach my love my darling my baby what up you know and he's trying to be smooth and the answer is no can you say no and it still be okay yes yes you can but let me tell you how with your words you know what doesn't work and what really does set set off the uh, the male of the species no Here's the reason why. Because on that approach, husbands, wives, listen, on that approach, the man is sizing himself up, looking for affirmation, looking for validation, looking to have a stamp of approval on his life to know that he's still the man somewhere. And the answer no doesn't help. You know what does help though? This. I love you think you look great. I love being with you. I love our intimate times together. But I promise you, I will be asleep in seven seconds. I will be asleep in seven seconds. And I love you. And I want to be with you. But here's what's going to have to happen. I will see you tomorrow. And we can talk further. You deserve the best of me. And right now, you're not going to get it. And I'm sorry about that. I love you and you're wonderful and you're great listen that's not hard that's not hard but you got to remember this guy's been out barking around all day long with his guard up and he comes to a place of vulnerability and he's asking a question am i still a man am i still a man Will you still validate me as a man? And the answer, no, doesn't mean no to the biological side. It's no to the no you're not. So there's got to be a rebuild from the other side. No is not a problem. And most dudes will tell you no's not a problem. The problem is, is if there's absolutely no reaffirmation on the other side that we're still okay, that you still see us as good, that you still see us as strong. You with me? Super private, I know. Some of you are like... I'm not fighting about this again. I'm <laughs> writing this down. Not doing this again. Okay. A couple more. Golly. I don't know if we're going to get first. Okay, let's, let's, let's try a little further. She talks about it for a second. Last line, uh, chapter 16... Chapter 5, sorry, chapter 5, verse 16. She says, his mouth is sweetness itself. He's altogether lovely. This is my lover. Listen to this word. This is my friend. Why is she not worried about what Solomon's doing? Because he's my friend. You know what the hardest realization in my entire life was? Is that my wife, number one in our relationship, she wanted to be friends. I wanted to love her, she wanted a friend. And we had to find a way to make the two meet in the middle. She wants a friend. She's got to be my buddy. She wants to be my friend. All my inside jokes, I tell with her. She wants to be my friend. She says, I'm not worried about Solomon. I'm not worried about what's going on with Solomon. Why? Because he's my friend. I know how he thinks. I know what he's doing. I'm not worried about him. Chapter 6 the friends show up again where has your lover gone most beautiful of women which way did your lover turn that we may look for him with you she says my lover's gone down into his garden to the bed of spices to browse in the gardens to gather lilies I am my lover and my lover is mine he browses among the lilies you know uh, there's a where are you is a question about geography most of the time where are you you're on the phone so where are you why are you late where are you oh I'm over here I'm stuck in colony traffic's backed up a mile because you know how colony is this is like this is where are you oh I'm I'm, oh I'm at the gas station where are you but the question isn't geographically where are you Solomon where are you they ask her where is Solomon you want to know where Solomon is I know right where Solomon is I know right where Solomon is this is where Solomon always is. He's thinking about me. He's thinking about browsing among the lilies. He's thinking about going to the garden. He's thinking about spending time with, where is he? I don't know where he is, but I don't know where he is. I trust him. I trust him. He gives me all the reasons in the world to trust him, and I trust him. Solomon shows up. Listen to this. You're going to love it, and then we'll close. Then we'll close. You're going to love this. It's so good. Solomon comes meandering up out of wherever Solomon came from. And he says, you are beautiful, my darling, like Terza, lovely as Jerusalem, majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. We heard this before on the honeymoon. On the honeymoon, he looked at her and he said, you have ravished my heart with one glance from your eyes. What he's saying is this. Physically, when I look into your eyes, physically, uh, it sets me off a little bit. Look away from me, please. We just kind of had this disagreement about the bedroom and like, don't look away. Let's just have a normal, don't, don't do that. You're too pretty, don't do that. Solomon looks at her again and he says, turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Check this out. This is the best part, and then we will close. Your hair is like a flock of goats. (laughs) Right? Check this out. Descending from Gilead, your teeth are like a flock of sheep. Coming up from the washing, each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranates. Where did you hear that last? Yeah. Honeymoon. Wedding vows. Wedding vows. They have a fight. There's conflict. They don't know how they're going to put it back together. And Solomon returns to the, to the wedding vows. Your eyes behind your veil. Dudes, listen, this is a game changer, game changer. There's not a thing about you that has changed since the day I married you. You are as perfect now as you were then. If I were standing at that place again, knowing everything that I know about you and how absolutely insane our life is and how crazy you sometimes are, I would still marry you again. Because I love you. Solomon quotes wedding vows. There is not a bigger pimp in the world than Solomon. Are you with me? Is not. This guy's got game for days. And this woman has a heart full of love to give him. Solomon is on point. He goes back to that place. Listen what else he says right here. We're almost done. Sixty queens there may be, he says, and eighty concubines and virgins beyond number. But my dove, my perfect one, is unique. The only daughter of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The maidens saw her and they called her blessed. The queens and the concubines praised her. Girlfriend, there may be a million fish in the sea, but there ain't any I want. Just you. You are it. You're the catch. That's it. You're the best. The friend standing nearby says, Who is this that appears like the dawn, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars in procession? Solomon says, you know what? I was, riding through the, I was riding through the woods. I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley. New growth suggests something green, something blooming. The relationship has moved to a new level. To see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom before I, but bloom, before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. And when I got there, all I could think about was you and I came racing home. Then this very, very, very cool word shows up. The friends yell, Come back, come back, O Shulamite. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. Okay, listen. Shulamite, do you know what that is? Solomon's name is Shalom. And she and Solomon are paired together so good, they're Brangelina. (laughs) You with me? Some of you are like, no, I don't get it. Ask your kids. This is it. Who is she? She's Solomon Knight. Who's he? Solomon. Who's she? They're, they're just look at them. They're disgusting to be around. They're in love and they fight like those two in the notebook. And I love them. And it's. They're, they're perfect. And they give her the name Shulamite. Consequently. We serve a man by the name of Jesus Christ, and our name is Christian. We become the version of the one we love most. Jesus Christ called us to live as he lived, for us to be so connected and so tied together that it changes the way we work and the way we live. There's new names being created for us because we just continue to serve Christ. And the name Christian was not even a name, and they just gave him this name. They're like little Christs. And they said of the Shulamite, they said of Solomon's wife, she is the Shulamite. If you don't know Jesus, if you're struggling, if you're in the midst of just terrible times, at home, personally, uh, and you need some people to to gather around you and to talk and to pray with you. Uh, I'd love to love to introduce you to some folks. I'd uh, love to sit down and visit with you, uh, help you work through some of that stuff. It'd be uh, it'd be great. We have a uh, we have a strong strong group of elders uh, in our church, and they lead us and they direct us, they guide us on on where we're where we're going and what we're doing and where we're moving to next. Um keep them in your prayer. Pray for one another, please. Uh, Pray for our marriages. We uh, We want to hold the standard high. We want to live to that standard so that the people around us will say, you know what, there's something different about those people.